Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the mess left by a slasher villain to my what does bloody even mean in the UK, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Oh, man, missed an episode and boom, one take. Yes. Yes, we missed an episode again, Jonathan. Yeah, that's my fault. Sorry. Uh, we have been in the middle of all sports seasons for all children, uh, we also had a child um, fracture No, 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 leg. that's, no, that's not why, I mean, are we going to reveal the real reason? I remember the real reason. I can't even remember the real reason. Your, your youngest left you a gift in bed. Oh, was that the night she projectile vomited? Yeah, we all got that flu. That, that, no, it was the night it went out the other end, from what you told me. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she, she crawled into bed with us, too. <laughs> that was not a good night. I woke up to I woke up to to things, things that no man should ever wake up to. So did you just, just take your that. did you take your mattress out back and just set on fire? No, thankfully we we've learned from other incidents and there's a, a mattress protector at play. Good, good, smart, smart man, smart thinking. Oh man, toddlers, they recover quick, but man, it when it hits, it hits. Yeah, yeah. Safe to she, say, the she family got it. She woke up the poor thing. She woke up and she was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I pooped in my diaper and I think it went everywhere. (laughs) (sighs) Poor baby. So safe to say. It was a, it's been a rough month. Not only have the kids been in school, but Sophia fractured her leg about a month and a half ago. And then on top of it, like six of the seven of us got the flu and yeah, it's been it's not been the best month ever. <laughs> I think I think I think we'll allow it this time. I won't give you crap about it because you already got yeah. the crap. <gasps> yeah, there you go. I waka you waka there, waka. Oh yeah. You, you know what? The flu's coming for you one day, my friend. I got COVID, man. What do you want? Yeah, I've done that twice, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't live in Texas. Of course, I got it only once. We have a oh, functional government out here. Damn it! I can't not because it's so true. Yeah, and in the wake of Texas's 19th mass shooting in the last uh, five months and eight days, I'm going to start this episode off with a good old-fashioned f*** you, Greg Abbott. You and your cronies really suck. Watch out. They uh, they don't seem to be afraid to make legislation targeting a handful of people, man. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what are they going to do? Kick me out of the country? Oh. You mean Texas. <laughs> yeah, that too. Oh no! <laughs> by by the way, by the way, I if if I came off insensitive about trans people last time about you know like how many people does it actually affect all that I I, I want to say for the record, of course they shouldn't be doing crap like this, but they're they're pearl clutching like they're acting like there's this plague or something, and a lot of these laws that they're passing are literally affecting a handful of people, and it's and it's like it's like, targeted it, bigotry is all it is. It's a hundred percent targeted bigotry it's the 1950s all over again just because it doesn't say jim crow on the cover doesn't mean it's not the same damn thing yeah i mean obviously because it's it's never about what the facts are it's about how they feel but like oh my god like 
seriously, like, ugh, it's so. St- anyway, anyway, of it's course gross. they should. It's they shouldn't be doing it. They should not be doing it. I don't want to imply that I. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's like, like, it's me trying to process that on several levels. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and, None of it makes sense. Yeah. None of it makes any sense. Yeah. No, no, no. But not just, not just. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in several different ways. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But uh, at least you're not Florida who's thinking about putting radioactive fertilizer waste into their concrete for roads. There we go. There we go. That's a great plan, Florida. I mean, I mean, you're not there yet. I guess it's more like you're not there yet. To be yeah, fair. But are we it's, that far? It's they're doing a study to see if it's OK. My guess is it shouldn't be, but uh, we'll Yeah. I guess don't go vacation in Florida. They're going to close down Disney by the sound of it anyway. So, you know, that's okay. Don't go to Texas either, <laughs> but I want to go to Texas. You're going to have an eclipse next year. <laughs> that was the big plan. I was going to come stay with you, the whole family. And we're going to watch the eclipse a, a year from now. It was going to be like in April. I think, I mean, I don't know. I've still got hope that they kick me out before the end of the year. So who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Cling, clinging to the little hope I have. <laughs> Is that God, too political? Was that too heavy for our... our probably. Our, our, probably going to be able to cut a good chunk of that. But <laughs> you, Rabbit. Like, <laughs> you. That's all. All right. Let's go to the fun stuff. Positive podcast. Woosa. Positive podcast. As always, a huge thank you to all of our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on, and we appreciate you greatly. As always, there's a day, and this was a funny one. I think we've done this one before, but it's it's too good to pass up as it rolls around again. Jonathan, happy National Sea Monkey Day. <laughs> Those uh, tiny brine shrimp, better known by the brand name Sea Monkey, on the oh, uh, sixteenth of baby cheer. We Ew. celebrate a fond childhood memory on National Sea Monkey Day. Use that hashtag, National Sea Monkey Day, and talk about your sea monkeys on your social medias. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like, like let's let's hatch a bunch of creatures that have no hope uh, because you cannot feed them properly, and then they will all expire. Yay! You remember Focus. that show, The Sea Monkeys? Vaguely, very vaguely. I remember it existed. It was a cartoon? I want to say it was no, a cartoon. No, it wasn't a cartoon. It was live action. It was really weird because those sea monkeys had some really weird... Oh my God, Howie Mandel was in the cast. Huh. I just Googled it. The Amazing Live Sea Monkeys, TV series, 1992. Dear God, Howie Mandel was in the cast. And oh my goodness, that makeup. I'm watching the intro song on Vimo. Oh, God, dear God. Gilbert Godfrey was in it? I guess he was. Oh, weird. Starring Rob LaBelle? Yeah. Peter Potofsky? Oh, why was this ever even made? Sean Whalen and Howie Mandel. I mean, am I the only one that thinks the sea monkeys look like Mac and me? (laughs) (laughs) Am I the only one that's even going to get that reference? Wow, there you go. There you go. If if, if, if you're following along at home, because, you know, this oh is not a Oh, my God. Did you, did you catch who produced it? It was the Cheeto Brothers from uh, Killer Clans from Outer Space fame. You know, that actually kind of brings it all together, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. As this is an audio format, uh, you're probably not uh, seeing the horror in our faces. Uh, go go Google the amazing live sea monkeys and, and, and enjoy. Enjoy the show. That's all I'll say. And just enjoy the show. Also, don't try to listen to the podcast in real time because I'm probably going to cut out the pauses of us watching it because they are lengthy and I'm just going to keep it snippy. Yeah. So 
Because that theme song was like an it was like ninety seconds. It was an old school one. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. If I have to live with it, you do too. That's just the way. All right. Well, as always, let's get this show kicked off with our first segment. Uh, we're off so off the rails already. Our off the shelf segment. This is, of course, where we talk about all the things that we've had off the shelves, onto our tables and our digital devices, and most importantly, into our hearts. Robert, where do you want to jump into first? I don't know, man. Wherever. Big spot. Big all right, spot. We're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna kind of machine gun this a little bit because it has been a month, so there's long lists, but a lot of it is <laughs> maybe the same. for you. Maybe for you. I've spent all of my waking time playing Destiny because it is the game that just has everything. It's got the PvP. It's got the wasting time. You, you and I got had a chance to play a little bit, and then you stopped texting me, so I stopped thinking about it. So you need to start texting me again. Okay. Well, I, I don't because I tend to play late by your standards, like 11 o'clock or later, and I don't think you're up. Yeah, and that's then, probably true, but I, I, I use the, the Do Not Disturb, so it's all good. And then I, I play during the weekends sometimes, but yeah. I'm uh, I'm farming uh, excavation site twelve. It's a lost sector, and I'm putting on hard mode because I want a hat. There's a hat I want. It's really good for solar warlocks. I desperately want it, and I I haven't gotten it. I have run that thirteen times today. Takes about five minutes, and then you know time to get in and out and whatnot. But um, and I'm gonna run it more. I'm gonna run it more today until it happens because this uh, this lost sector in particular is pretty easy to finish on e- on hard mode. So because it's short and uh, it's not not tricky. It's just very straightforward. <sighs> Somebody just texted me the most '90s thing ever, so I'm gonna text it to you. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. I guess we're starting with video games, Jonathan. That was all my right. Video, video games. Uh, while this uh, amazing text message goes through to you. <laughs> That, that is a very Riker thing. <laughs> right? Like, this is just so good. Uh, you know, that was the one thing I felt, that's the one thing I felt Picard season three was really missing. Uh, I don't think that <laughs> Troy and Riker had any weird Riker references. Sh- they Riker were swingers, baby. Yeah, swingers. Because, <laughs> oh boy, did they imply that those two swung a little bit uh, in the OTNG <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. All right. Yeah, I, I remember it became crystal clear the first time Lexana Troy showed up and her and her daughter were having the telepathic conversation. And, and uh, you know, she says something about why'd you let that one get away or, or whatever. And she's like, yeah, we're not jealous like that anymore, anymore, mom. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that's not mine, baby. I don't know whose that is. The Klingon made Swedish and or Klingon made penis larger pump. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if it was a Klingon made one, canically there would be two because they've got copies oh, of every organ. Oh, there it is! There it is! And Star is Trek true. Discovery, we, we did see a, pee, a Klingon peeing in a, in a urinal, and, it, and two streams came out. Just saying, <laughs> just saying. <sighs> and this is why we should be writers on lower decks. I mean, it's the type of stuff we think about. Oh, all too often, sadly. All too often. All right, let's jump into video games. Yeah, uh, let's get off this puerile, puerile humor. How do you want to what do this? What have you been playing, Jonathan? Oh, you, did, you just I, had I Destiny, Destiny. Too, right? I got a Destiny. I, I, I I'm thought excited. there was more. I didn't realize that was it. Well, they, they just um, updated uh, the remaster of City Skylines 2, but I haven't played it yet. But yeah, that's about it. Well, I am 49 hours into Yakuza Like a Dragon. <laughs> and you say no you don't have time for Destiny. Yet. 
You say you well, don't even I, have okay, time for this. I've been playing this game for like three months. Make no mistake. I'm chipping away at it like two, three hours a week. Like, that's it. Man, I love that game. I have right, a new... Right, let's do some basic I, math. You're 49 hours in. Yeah. How, how long have you been at it? Uh, I don't know. I can probably three months? tell you. Hold on. Hold on, uh, hold on, three. Hold on. I'll tell you. That's more like four hours a week, dude. Four. Hold on. Because I, I think it's been more than three months, to be honest with you. Let me, let me see here. Going to my Xbox profile. All right, let's see here. Uh, I unlocked the first achievement February 23rd, and that was to finish chapter one. So I reckon I probably started like February 20th or so. So it hasn't even been three months. So it's over four hours a week, Jonathan. I'm just saying. Hold on. Hold on. That was 77 days ago. So 11 weeks, 49 so, divided uh, by 11. Okay, wrong way around. 4.45. Four, four, four and a half. Yeah. So four and a half hours a week, roughly. I don't have time for Destiny. I never said I didn't have time for Destiny. You don't text me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, like that game is freaking bananas, man. Oh, my God. Like Every time I think I've seen the most bananas thing in there, it's like, no, 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 hold my beer. Wait, wait, wait. A weapon shop being filled with marital aids that you wield in combat and summoning oh a guy God, that who's is in the... so mild compared to some of the things that have happened to me. Wow. I need to start playing that game again. Oh, my God. The game is bananas. I, I, I now have a summon called Essence of Orbital Strike. He lifts okay. his cell phone up in the air. Lightning comes down and strikes it. He puts it in front of him. And he slams down his finger authoritatively. And then a freaking orbital laser fires and like does massive party damage to your enemies. Sounds like Grand Theft Auto right there. Nice. I've got um, new tag teams. Uh, as, as you like advance your, your relationships between the characters, uh, new tag team attacks open up. Um, I've got uh, uh, new pound mates, <laughs> if you remember them. I don't, did you get to that point? Yeah, the diaper the baby. The, the diaper oh, man. Guy. Yeah. So mild. I, I now have a chicken uh, that, I, that I can unleash. I have a crawfish that I can unleash. It's bananas, is it, man. That game is, it is absolutely bananas. Is it bananas. A, a, a giant crawfish? No, it's a normal-sized crawfish. I need to start playing this game again. Uh, you you save the normal-sized crawfish from a crazy homeless person who um, is simultaneously professing his love to it and then decides to eat it. And you save it. And then it becomes a, um, a, a summon for you. I could get behind that. Make no mistake. This game is 1,000% bananas. Uh, that being said, it's maybe some of the most fun I've ever had with a video game ever. All right. There's All right. never a time where I've played this game where I haven't had at least one moment where I just laugh out loud because it's just so ridiculous. And, and when you get back into it, call me, by the way, because I will. Uh, there are some things that I had to figure out that it does not explicitly tell you that make the game so much more accessible. Mm. Okay. And I've, I, part of the reason I'm 49 hours in, but I'm only like, halfway through the game is not because I've been doing a lot of sidetracking, but just because I had to figure out some things. I could dig it. I could dig it. What else? You I will warn you that the game suffers from some pretty severe difficulty spikes where you have to grind a little while. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't mind grinding as long as I'm enjoying the combat. Like, yeah. And the, the combat's enjoyable. The combat's fine. Yeah. So, you know, cause I, it, that's JRPGs, man. Sometimes you got to grind. It just happens. The, the, the economy when you first start, feels really broken like you're like how am i ever going to afford this stuff like every summon is ten thousand yen and like you know ten thousand yen is a lot of money in that game it feels like 
And then you unlock the business mini game, which it doesn't tell you how important it is. But like that business mini game, I can go and make 3 million yen in like under five minutes now. Okay. Sounds good. But I had to devote like three hours into the, the mini game to build it up. And I, they don't tell you how the mini game really works. And so at first you're fretting like I had to reload my save like two or three times because I was running out of time and I was I was not hitting the, the tactics that they wanted. And so I had to like figure out specifically how it is that you manipulate the mini game to make it sing. And once you get it singing, oh, my God, you, you feel like a business god. All right. All right. Fair enough. What else do you play? What else do you play? Uh, let's see. That's, that's the most, um, Amelia has been on a video game kick lately. She likes to sit in my lap and, um, you know, the best part about Xbox game Pass is there's a bunch of stuff on there that she will like. So we have been playing Paw Patrol, the movie adventure city calls. The complexity, uh, pretty much ends at move through the level and pick up dog biscuits, occasionally jump, but you know what? She loves it. And that means I love it. Um, and then there was a stupid cheap sale on PlayStation. So I, I picked up the order 1886 cause I'd never beaten it and hmm. I decided I wanted to beat it. So, um, I bought that. I think I, I think I paid like $5 for it. It was like really inexpensive. Um, and man, that game still, that game looks so good. It's so gorgeous. And you, you do some stuff too. And it's really pretty. I missed that game completely the first time. Okay. Let me tell you like story dope. World building, even doper. But yeah, man, that game still looks so good. So good. So pretty. And it's a neat world. I'm really enjoying the world. Uh, and then I also picked up on stup- super, stupid cheap uh, Rush Rally Origins, which is like an old school overhead rally game. Like, remember those rally games where you'd, you'd be cruising through the environment and it'd be an overhead view and you'd be using the sp- steering wheel and it'd kind of like spin yeah. the car around the track? Yeah, it's yeah, like, like that. It's yeah. like that. I think I think I paid three dollars and fifty cents for it, and I'm already like I, I've invested way too much of my life into it. It's super fun. It's so good. It nails it, absolutely nails it. And then um, I've also been playing Trials Rising, which is that that motocross physics based uh, puzzler. Hmm. And that is super fun. That is super fun. So yeah, that's video games. Where do you want to go now? Uh, television. Sure. Um, I've watched. One or two episodes of a lot of stuff, but I haven't finished anything. Well, you, you and I have both been watching Ted Lasso. I'm 100% up to date on Ted Lasso. So I am we... not. I am... Okay, and I will not say anything. I had to, I had to, well, I had to start from the beginning because I hadn't watched it. So I'm just at the beginning of season three. I'm not fully caught up to the Oh the my God. So you watched season two? Yeah. Okay, so, wow. Like, talk about a show that simultaneously you're like laughing and crying at the same time. That show is so weird. So like... It started as this like fish out of water kind of workplace comedy, and it slowly turned into this sort of dramedy. <laughs> and and but it earns it. Yeah, and the character not are a so- weird like it, it sounds weird when you say it on paper, but the show earns it. Like it, it does not like do a hard left turn. It just it always wanted to go there. It just knew that it needed to do some other stuff first. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 really good. It's um. I've been enjoying the heck out of it. I kind of missed the first season just with the unrelenting positivity because as the as you've been getting to know a lot more of the side characters, you're spending more and more time away from Ted. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling about the the stuff and and you know the stuff that happens in the plot. But it's it's tough sometimes. It's real tough sometimes. But that being said, man, oh man, that show is so good. 
I really yeah, enjoy the, it. The, the characters are incredibly nuanced. Like the the thing that happens in season two, it's it makes complete sense. A thousand percent. It, it earns it. It, it. It's not drama for the sake of drama. It's it's drama for the sake of character. Yeah, I will say this. Like a lot of TV shows sort of miss the mark because they create drama out of situations where it's like if people had a five minute conversation, they could have fixed all of this. And, uh, but no, these characters are incredibly complicated and they're people, they're humans. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. It, no, it's a, it, it's a great show. I need to, I need to pick it up again. I, it's, it's been a weekend, man. The, the ladies were away at Girl Scout camp this weekend. And so it was just me and the, me and my boys and just leading up to them leaving Is for that the weekend. Is why you watch more Godzilla? Yeah. That's why I watch more Godzilla. <laughs> but yeah, just, just, yeah, this whole week, the whole week got shot. Like it's just. Yeah, just leading up to that and preparing everything because it's surprising what you need to do to get ready for, you know, mom and sister to leave for a weekend. Yep. You know, didn't occur to me that there would be that much stuff. And also like, oh, God, talk about I'm starting to get a sense of what your life is because my life is getting busy between, you know, uh, one of my kids, you know, uh, occupational and and, uh, uh, communication uh, therapy and. Uh, everybody's in swim lessons. Everybody will be in swim lessons starting tomorrow for a month. And yeah, Ugh. just very busy. <laughs> Welcome to the Thunderdome. Yeah. And my, uh, my daughter just, just started on her long, long road of, uh, orthodontics. Oh yeah. Uh, I finished with one. I'm almost finished with two and then three and four have just begun. Yeah. Yeah. She got a, she got a block retainer block block is, is that what block retainer or something oh, it's yeah. really it's really funny she talks exactly like that stereotype of that one girl at the slumber party who's got her retainer in it and has to talk like this <laughs> it is funny how, how how absolutely freaking uh 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 like the, the stereotype comes from a place yeah, yeah, it comes from reality. It's there, and, and I don't know if she's getting better at talking around it, or if I have just picked up what she sounds like on it. But like, I I'm like very fluent in retainer Aowen right now. Like, I'm just like, uh huh. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, give me five or ten minutes, I'll come help you. <laughs> and and the best part, the best part uh, when you when you first get your retainer and you're kind of getting used to it, a lot of drool, a lot of drool happens, and that was just very amusing. And uh, I apologize to my daughter for laughing when it happened, but she took it. She, she, she's a, she's a good humored kid. She's a, I don't know what I did, man. Anyone has got like a load of confidence. It's, it's really cool. Like she's, she's a, she's a really good kid. I don't know what I did to deserve her, but Holy God, like she's a great kid. She's Hi. good with her brothers. It's, it's kind of sad. She, uh, her swim cl- class, like the swim class age is from like, um, uh, basically first grade to fifth grade. And she is the only fifth grader and everybody else is second or below. And I was like, oh, my God, she's I was thinking she's going to do that stereotypical kid thing where she hates doing it, even though we spent money on it. And she doesn't want to go because she's hanging out with these little kids. But you know what she does? She likes hanging out with little kids and being silly because she's a good kid, you know, and she has little brothers and she knows how to hang out with them. So she just she just plays with little kids and and acts silly because she likes doing that. And it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? Carlos (laughs) is that way. Actually, all my kids are really good with other kids, but but I really enjoy watching Carlos. Like he gets with other kids and he just communicates with them and and has fun with them, and that's really cool. I did not know that about Carlos. Respect. 
Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun to watch. Um, like I can totally see him becoming like a a kid's soccer uh, coach one day and and just excelling at it. He's just so patient with them, and he just you can tell he's genuinely having fun. Like his soul is happy. Not not being like Roy in season two. Oh, I, yeah, exactly. If you want play like you did today. <laughs> God damn, I love that character so much. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, he seems he seems to be up your alley. <laughs> oh my god all right um what else what else i'm gonna do just machine gun my my one episode stuff okay um i started watching the silent sea uh which is uh it has a lot of the cast from squid games it's a korean science fiction show i'm not 100 percent sure what's going on yet i'm like uh two episodes in Something has happened. Uh, the earth is in shambles. Uh, there's no water to go around. And for some reason, they need to go up to the moon. And so we, we just crashed into the moon and, and things are happening. Uh, I watched the first couple of episodes of Citadel, which is Amazon's big action show from the Russo brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that? Expensive. Mm. $300 that, million dollars for six episodes. That good, huh? Things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't call it bad. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's an action show. It just doesn't have a lot of depth yet. I'm hoping. It's got a great cast. Fair enough. I don't know. There's three episodes left. I'll see where it goes. They have big plans for it. I hope it pans out. I, just, I don't know how you can afford to make like multiple seasons of this. $300 million for one season. And all I got was six episodes. I talked about it before uh, on the show. I watched uh, season one of Carnival Row uh, whenever it came out, like, Two years ago, three years ago. Season two's finally out, so I've started watching that. Uh, man, that show is good. Dark, but good. I think you'd really enjoy it. I watched season one. I did. Okay, yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. So season two picks up right where it left off. Unfortunately, it'll be our last season. But well, that uh, sucks. Yeah, I, I, I get it. It can't be a cheap show to make. No, nah, it's just it's just this era of streaming. It's really annoying. It's like everything gets two seasons and it's gone. It's like, uh, I, I just... Don't I, there's uh, so unless, many sh- it, unless it hits hard, unless it hits hard. Yeah. And, but that's the thing. I don't want to invest in anything because I, I don't want it. I'm with I, you. I'm with I, you. I, yeah, it just sucks. It's like, it's, it ha- streaming was supposed to be the savior of all this stuff. How did we go then like worse than basic cable in a lot of ways? Cha-ching, you know, as always, I know always it's ching. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get why people put up with it. I don't get even why people watch anything new unless it's going to be around for a while. I think it'll end up backfiring on them in the long run. Yeah, well, it backfired with me. Like, I, I haven't watched anything. I, I I didn't even give Ted Lasso a chance until it got its third season, and they said they were done. You know, and, and that they, they decided that they were going to go out on their own terms because they say, well, maybe we'll get together at some point and do a se- series four, maybe. But, yeah, this is kind of the story we wanted to tell. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I'll watch that now. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah, like, you know, I just not knowing if anything's going to get wrapped up, and it's like, oh, I can't yeah. blame you. I can't blame you. And it's because they get everything done before it's all out. So, like, you know, if it's going to get canceled, they don't even know until it's too late to do anything about it. And then they just end on a cliffhanger. And it's like, I don't want to end on a cliffhanger. I hate that. Yeah, I yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Anyway, go on. Uh, I rewatched Zombieland. I've seen it before. I just needed something stupid on in the background because I was doing some uh, some work that didn't involve a lot of my brain. It was just a lot of busy work. Mm-hmm. It needed to get done. Like, you know, no, no not not a gripe. I just 
put it on as as background fluff, and I'd forgotten how funny that movie was. I I had a couple good laughs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, what else? Uh, Jessica and I started watching Beef. I think I've it's never um, heard of this Netflix, and okay. it um, it's an you know A twenty four the the film company. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's a TV show from them. So that should tell you everything you need to know about just like general feel of it. It's okay. It's great. I'm really enjoying it, and the acting is through the roof. But uh, woof, it's it's wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, they're not pulling punches in that one. And went and watched the Super Mario Brothers movie in the movie theater with the kids, and we all had a great time. Um, how is, how is that? So, like, okay, the, critic, look. the critics all hate it. But then every, all the, the fans say it's like it gave me exactly what I wanted and it was fun. Like, and it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know why you're expecting like freaking Shakespeare out of the Super Mario Brothers movie, but. Look, I'm going to break it down in a couple different ways, okay? Number one, the critics are idiots. They are trying to look at this uh, from an artistic perspective and it is exactly what it claims to be. It's a Super Mario Brothers movie. Let's not forget that this is a movie based on the story from an 8-bit video game that had no cutscenes. Stop trying to make it more than it is because they didn't try and make it more than it is. They embrace that. It is... You know when you look at the boxes for Mario games and they've got the the really pretty renders and everything looks like super high quality and you're like, oh man, that's what it's going to be. But it never is quite because, you know, it's a video game. Yeah, the only one that got close was Odyssey, I guess. Yeah, but even then, even then, even then. Yeah. Like, you know, you were on the Wii or the Switch. Wii U, Switch. Switch. I don't know, whichever the hell one it was. We all know it's not the graphical powerhouse. No. So, so you know, sacrifices are made. It's fine. It is what it is. The games are fun. That's, that's what's most important. This is the movie that allows you to enter that world in three dimensions and have a good time with it. And if you're a Mario fan... Like, from start to finish, it is nothing but visual and audio references, and you're going to be smiling the whole time and giggling. It's awesome. It, it doesn't need to be more than that. It doesn't need to redefine a life. It, it doesn't try and overextend itself and, and be more than it is. It just is a Mario Brothers movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, everything can't be the Mona Lisa. Sometimes you just no. need, to pick, you need to pick up a Thomas Kincaid in the ball, you know? You know what? I don't want a Mona Lisa when I reach down and pick up an issue of Deadpool. True, true. I just want Deadpool. Speaking of which, have you seen the guy on TikTok who goes to like Goodwills and thrift shops and stuff and buys old paintings and then paints? Yes. Like, Star Wars stuff into it? Yeah. yeah or or the art giant. Hysterical. Yes. Yeah, I want one. Me that too. Really bad. Really, really <laughs> bad. <laughs> that is all. Um, okay. And, and talk to me about this anime that you started talking to me about out of the blue. And I was like, what okay. are you doing? So... A couple of weeks ago, a game came out. I'm, I'm a little bit of a JRPG. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a JRPG fan in general, but I'm on a bit of a kick right now because of Yakuza. And and I sense the fact that Yakuza will eventually come to an end. I, I understand that, and I'm okay with that because we're get, actually getting a sequel, which is exciting. But that's neither here nor there. Well, yeah, Yakuza Eight, or yeah. like a Dragon Eight, I guess. I guess they're I guess they're calling him like a dragon now. So cool, cool beans. Whatever. I'm getting a sequel to Yakuza Like a Dragon. It's going to play like a JRPG, and if it's even like a quarter of the bananas that I've gotten with this first one, I'm going to have a freaking great time. I'm totally in, right? So, but that being said, until then, I totally understand that this is going to come to a close. 
And I was looking for something else that was maybe a little bit lighthearted. And One Piece released an RPG. Uh, what the hell was it called? There's a lot of One Piece RPGs, by the way. A lot. No, no. There's a lot of One Piece games, but mm, there's this has been the first RPG, I think. Mm. Odyssey. One Piece Odyssey. So One Piece Odyssey came out a little bit ago, and um, it looked awesome, and it got really good reviews, so I was really excited. And what every review told me was, like, you really kind of need to be into the uh, the anime to kind of understand where it's coming from. So I started watching the anime because it's on Netflix, and I am, like, three-quarters of the way through season one now. Every one of those episodes is 20 minutes, and it's surprisingly good. The, 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 I'm genuinely surprised. I'm totally invested in this now. Hmm. I'm enjoying the show. The characters are fun, but it's also got a lot of heart. So yeah, I'm there. I'm down. Um, I'm into the one piece now. Uh, apparently I need to get through like 10 seasons before I'm going to understand the, uh, RPG because the RPG doesn't do backstory. It's just like assumes that you're a one piece fan and it wants you to be there. So I'm, to- I'm down, I'm there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm watching that show to get caught up so that I can download the one piece RPG and have some fun. That's all. It's wow, super fun. There's 20 seasons of that show. Yeah, I'm getting there. It's going to take me forever. There's like 18 movies too, by the way. Oh, wow. It does that old school cartoon thing where the first season is 61 episodes. And that's like 16, Yeah, 14. but there's, there's very distinct story beats in the season. Like episodes one through eight are one story beat. And then nine through like 18 are another story beat. Like there's, there's very distinct chapters. Yeah, yeah. But it's got heart, man. Like, and it makes me smile. And that's good. All right. Because I live in Texas. There's not always a lot of smile about here. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? One Piece. I'm having a great time with it. Um, and it's, it's so far, it's been reasonably kid-friendly. I'd say like 10, 12 and up. All right. Well, uh, the daughter and I finished Steven Universe uh, with the Steven Universe future. That show is so bizarre. <laughs> it, it, it starts It starts as like a goofy Cartoon Network show about a kid with superpowers and ends with a very poignant tale about uh, PTSD. And, and, it's, and I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I traveled that road from like, you know, the wacky adventures of a little kid to, you know, PTSD. But it, it happened and it works. It's so weird if to If it watch. earns it, it earns it, man. It, it does. It does. It more than Ted earns Lasso. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just such a weird show. Uh, highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. Uh, apparently, uh, the the streaming numbers of it like spiked in the last couple of months so much so that Cartoon Network took notice. So hopefully, maybe we'll get something else. I'd love to see more Steven Universe. So we move from that in Doctor Who. Uh, we're watching the first Eggleston series because I was just curious how my daughter would react to it. She, That's good stuff. She loves stuff. loves the Rose, and so she is like all in on on Doctor <sighs> Who for now. Man. Boy, did we have some bad news for her. Mm. <laughs> well, she eventually gets her happy ending because, uh, yeah, well, because we're trying to get caught up because uh, uh, the the David Tennant's coming back as the 14th Doctor and they're going to do a, a Donald, Donna Noble story. So we got to get her caught up in that. But, you know, oh, I love Donna Noble. I love Donna Noble, too. She was she was actually my favorite companion out of all of them so far, like completely She's just lovable. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's got like like mega Karen energy, but she uh, she's like Karen with the heart of gold. By when when she comes back around to be a companion, it's it's just nice. It's an interesting story. Um, uh, because uh, the uh, the the ladies were out of the house, we watched Godzilla two thousand fourteen again. Um, still mm-hmm. like that movie. That's still good stuff. 
that still, is good stuff. Still very disappointed with how that franchise went. It was so grounded in that first movie. And then the second movie just becomes a video game. It's so dumb. It's like, yeah, we've yeah, got, but we also got Kong skull Island, which is dope. Yeah. But that wasn't going to be part of that at first. Like they shoehorn that in at the end. Like uh, anyway. Yeah, but it's there. So now it counts and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The, the second movie just was, it really jumped the shark. Yeah. It, it got way too goofy. Way yeah. too goofy. It, 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 it forgot how grounded the first one was. Well, and they, that they, first they, one, that first one, man. Well, they listened to people because they're like, oh, it didn't show enough Godzilla and all the angles were low. Sometimes you just want to see monsters fight. And it's like, yeah, those people it, were all dumb. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like, I, thank you for ruining a good thing with your stupid Internet opinion. And, and like, uh, as we're watching it, like my friend was like picking on the human story. And I'm like, this is literally one of the best Godzilla movies, like, like easily in the top five. <laughs> and he's like, really? I'm like, yeah. My, my favorite part about that movie, the thing that they nail the most is how absolutely inconsequential people are to Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like when you go on a walk, you're probably crushing hundreds of insects beneath you and you don't even realize it because they're inconsequential to you. And that's Godzilla. Well, and Godzilla, I, I do like the way they portray his character. Generally, he doesn't like stamping on anthills. He tries to avoid it. No, he, he doesn't want to get engaged. He's getting dragged out. Well, no, no, no. But like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to step on the people. Like he will not go out of his way to step on people. No, it's not intentional. But if it happens, he, he doesn't feel bad about it. (laughs) Why would he? Yeah. But, but that's, I do like that about, about Monsterverse Godzilla. Monsterverse Godzilla seems to be kind, I guess. Like he doesn't try to wreck human stuff. It just happens sometimes. And he doesn't feel bad about it. Cause you know, if you step on an anthill, do you care? Like, it's like, I don't want to. But but if you you're step, not going to go out of your way to do it, but if you do it, you're not going to think twice about it. Yeah, yeah. And Godzilla seems to try to avoid doing it because he's got a little sense in him. It's like, oh, those little things, they have lives too. I guess I should avoid stepping on them. But if Kong he gets distracted. Skull Island. Just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at the poster now. Now, now I really want to rewatch it because that movie <laughs> was so good. It was pretty good. And now I'm going to have to rewatch Godzilla 2014 too because you got me thinking about that now. Yeah, it's a good movie. And then, then... Um, because of Girl Scout stuff, uh, one of Eowyn's Girl Scout troop had to come over for quite a few hours, like six hours, because her mom was doing Girl Scout training. And they, uh, they being, you know, preteen, tween age girls, they uh, they talked us into letting them watch uh, the Megan, which is only PG-13. Oh, God, my kids won't stop with the Megan. They want to watch it so bad. And I haven't I haven't buckled yet. Yeah, yeah. It's I watched it with them. Um, Looks dumb. I can't get excited. I'm with you on, you know, kids shouldn't be watching horror movies unless you watch them first. Uh, so I, I, I kind of broke my own rule by going in blind, but it was PG-13. It's it's kind of child's play light. Like, it's it's following that same basic plot. It's it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. I, I I think, know, the trailer didn't do it for me. It just, like, seems stupid. Uh, it's not, no, it's not that stupid. I think, um, honestly, and I'm, I, maybe I'm going to catch hate for this, I think the reboot of Child's Play did what Megan was trying to do better. Because uh, Child's Play, at least that one, was trying to do something interesting with the genre because, you know, like Chucky and that one doesn't become murderous because he's got like an evil thing in him or whatever. He's kind of taught to be murderous by kids being cruel to each other. And uh, Megan kind of missed the boat on that a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's my only opinion on it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. I just can't get excited about it. I don't know why. The, the, the Megan, the way they filmed Megan was 
creepy as hell because it was like an animatronic mask just on like a, a little girl who was wearing it. It was just, it was creepy. It was good stuff. And that's it. Reading. I, say, I didn't want to like it. I, I just, I can't get excited about it. Mm. Did you watch it yet? Know. No, eh. I haven't buckled yet. I, I, I will eventually buckle and probably pick it up on the red box or something, but it's on Paramount plus it's on one of them. I don't know. All I know is that we're less than a year away from Godzilla versus Kong, the new empire. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a return. To I don't know. I can't get come on. Let's just hope. Let's hope, please. It, I, I like Godzilla versus Kong better than I liked King Nick of all monsters, fucked. but it, it still, it still was just video gaming and goofy and the characters sucked. And it's like, you got to get the human characters, right? Otherwise it doesn't matter. It's just monsters. You fighting. guys will watch a video game. Anyway. All right. Reading, reading. What have you been reading? I think last time I talked about the Dresden book I was reading, that got done. I can't remember which one it was, so I'm not even going to bother. Uh, but what I did finally pick up because it came out was um, Heat 2, written by Michael Mann. Hmm. Uh, it is a sequel slash prequel to Heat, and man, I'd forgotten how much I love those characters. It is really, really well written. And apparently they're going to make it into a movie, and I'm really excited about it now. I didn't realize that we needed a sequel there. I really didn't. I didn't. But uh, as it turns out, I'm okay with it. It's not a sequel for the sake of being a sequel. It's a sequel that builds on what they built there and, and exists for a reason. Fair enough. I Is was very hesitant. I thought it was going to be stupid. I didn't think that we needed a sequel to one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, but I stand corrected. This is really genuinely good. Can I admit something that'll make you hate me? You don't like Heat? Uh, I've never seen it. Are you what? Yeah, just never got around to it, dude. Like legitimately, this is one of the best crime movies of all time. I would call it maybe one of the 10 best films of the 20th century. Sorry, just never. never. Not sorry. I wish I could go back and watch it for the first time again. <laughs> it's, it's an acting tour de force. It is yeah. amazing. You know, at what, the time. Well, it's oh. just every, everybody was talking about it at the time, and it was I, like I was trying hard to avoid spoilers and whatnot, but it was just hard, and so I just never got around to it because I kind of knew what it was about, and then, yeah, that just never stopped. Now's the time. Maybe. I don't remember much of what was said about it, so maybe. All you need to know is that it is it is really freaking good, and it totally earns it. Well, I've actually read stuff, Jonathan. It's amazing. What have you read? Uh, so picked up a comic book from the library called Daisy, which is like weird biblical horror. It's it's very strange. And not, not like biblical, like, you know, it was, you know, stuff that you see on the channels or whatnot. It was it's just this weird horror comic, but it's got a lot of biblical undertones. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Yeah, the channels. You know, you know the channels. You know the channels. <laughs> this isn't like Kirk Cameron left behind or whatever. You know, this is like somebody who actually like <laughs> No, it's the, the, the channels. <laughs> you knew what I meant. Did yeah, you not know what I meant? We all know. We all yeah. know. The, the, the channels. Yeah. Oh anyway, God, the, it, was, it was it was interesting. It was it kind of fell apart in the the last act, you know, like everything does. But it it was it was I I didn't know it was going to be like a very a horror movie based off of or a horror comic based off of very biblical concepts. But it went there, and I was like I was like okay. Okay, I'm along with it because it's it's about Nephilim in one part and they they show like an old school Nephilim and it's really gross and eating people like graphically eating people. I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> okay, that's what, where we're going with this. I mean, you had me at eating people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah, not not like I said, it kind of fell apart in the last act because it kind of it gets really weird and wonky. But yeah, it was the because of the channels. No, no, it's just it's how they wrap up the plot. There's a lot of exposition and not a lot of you know things happening that makes sense. <laughs> um, and I hate it when it doesn't stick the landing. Yeah, it, it doesn't not stick the landing. It's just not. A, it's it didn't have a graceful landing. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like one of those videos you watch on YouTube where it's really windy and the plane's coming in freaking sideways, and <laughs> you, you, know, you know, you know, you've seen that landing. And then uh, I read the uh, last two or the last two parts that are out of something is killing the children or something is eating the children. I forget what the actual comic title is. Um, I was right. The uh, the storyline is moving into the the monster hunting society more than the uh, than the actual monster hunting. And uh, yeah, it's doing that very classic thing of like people who hunt monsters become monsters themselves. And it's it's kind of playing with that concept quite a bit. And it's it's interesting. I'm I'm, I'm having a good time. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious where this goes. And what I what I like about it is the uh, the guy who wrote it, he's got a plan in mind because I I've seen other stuff he's written. So which one is this again? Something is killing. Something is killing the children. I think it's called. Or so, it's something is killing or eating. I think it's killing. When when I announced that I finished Heat Two, will you make me read that? It's good. There's five parts out for it so far. The sixth one is on order at the library. So it's that I guess it's sounds on awesome. I'm kind of down. I I will I will warn you. Uh, Children get eaten and killed in that, and it it happens on screen in the comic book. So it's it it it's it might kick you in the dads, but yeah, it's it messed up stuff happens in that. It is, does not shy away from it. So Chaosium released a role playing game that is like urban urban fantasy. It's called uh, the Rivers of London, and they made a big deal that it's based off of this book by a guy that I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of the book. I'd never heard of the guy, and they're making a big deal. And I realized it's because Chaosium is run by a bunch of Brits now. And, uh, and so I'm like, oh, this book must be really big in Britain and not big anywhere else, you know, like Big Brother or I don't know, tabloids. I don't know what else is big in England. That's not big over here. Uh, but I went and tracked it down. Uh, it's called, uh, the first book is called Rivers of London, although in America it was called Midnight Riot. And it's about a cop that kind of discovers that magic exists, you know? And it's a really weird book, but I'm, I'm kind of liking it because it, it plays with a few concepts that you don't ordinarily see. For one, they acknowledge that Harry Potter is a concept, so they insult each other a lot by calling each other Harry Potter, which is funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one is, uh, so it's about this cop, and apparently cops in England, they do things like residencies with doctors. You know, they go on the beat at a place for a while, and then they get sort of like placed at, at a, uh, a different department that they are supposed to specialize in or something like that. And so the guy is really worried because they think they're setting him up to do paperwork essentially, but then he figures out that magic exists and he gets kind of called into that side of, of the policing life. And, uh, but he's got a friend who is a, another cop and it's a lady and he's kind of, he kind of sweet on her, but he, he never makes his move. Cause I guess he's pining sort of, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he's telling her about like discovering magic is existing and all this. And, uh, and it's just really funny because, you know, usually they keep that secret. It's like, I don't want people to think I'm crazy. But he's like, ah, f- that. my friend, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just tell my friend everything. I'm talking to ghosts, baby. I'm figuring, I'm solving a murder <laughs> by talking to ghosts. And, and it's, it's just really funny that they're just, you know, they're, they're taking, you know, just a lot of stereotypes of the genre. You know, it's like, oh, the magic world must remain hidden and mysterious. The guy's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't talk to a ghost with my boss. <laughs> and she's like, you're, you guys are nuts. But she, but she keeps helping him because she's in an apartment where she can now help him by, 
you know, accessing computers or databases or stuff. So he calls her a lot and asks her help. And then she's like, how are you like, and she keep, he keeps coming back with like, you know, as he's narrowing down the, the, the crime and, and she realizes like he's actually investigating it and solving it somehow, but she doesn't believe that he's talking to ghosts. It's just, it's good stuff. I, I, I've enjoyed it. It's got kind of a, it's got a, it, it, it's got a very British sensibility about it, I guess, like a, a humorous one. That sounds Not, like I would enjoy living daylights out of it. Yeah. And there's a lot of books in that series. So I, I need to, I need to finish the first one. I, I put it, I put it down for a little bit. I need to get back on that train cause it's fun and that's it. So right, well, I think it just leaves us with board games. Yeah. Um, Welcome to good times. Oh my God. That last game. Dude, speak for yourself, man. I, I screwed up real early because I wasn't paying attention to what the, the, the cards were. And I, I made a pretty pivotal mistake very early on that I was was unrecoverable. Oh, I, I, I managed to jump into second place on the last move. Uh, there was no touching Ray, though. Ray was on fire that round. Yeah. I then, just keep enjoying Welcome To. I just can't. I can't not enjoy it. I just keep having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that. Um, you and I have started the game of Lost Seas. Yes. I've not figured it out yet. I'm going to suck okay. this first round, but that's, that's okay. Right. I, uh, I kind of only vaguely remember, uh, what was going on in it to be, to be honest with you. And so. then I've been playing, a uh, Dice Hospital with Dale, uh, which is kind of like a, a roll and write game. Um, yeah. You've, t- you've talked about it before. Yeah. And that's been interesting. And then Boop which is like connect four with cats, except that when you put your cat down, it can boop the other cat out of the way. Yeah. It's like tactical connect four. You've talked about that before too. All right. There you go. That's all. Apparently there's a new version of boop coming out. that's Halloween themed called boop. (laughs) And I kind of need it in my life. That's all. If nothing else, just because it's cleverly named. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, which means, of course, it is time for a quick break, and when we return, it will be time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. We will see you all in just a moment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at Forgot My Dice. And of course, you can email us at FMDPodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, God, I'm going to cut his cord. <laughs> And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. That is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. And uh, it's a weird time. I, like, I have a lot of news, but I don't have a lot of substance because trade shows have begun, which means that titles are being announced and kind of previewed, but uh, not always with a ton of details. I, well, I kind of have that problem, too. 
All right, well, the Gamma Expo happened recently, uh, and at Gamma, a huge slew of upcoming titles were previewed and discussed and, uh, you know, sometimes more information available than others. So we'll just kind of take a look at some of the the kind of ones that kind of really jumped out and and caught my eye. First of all, um, and this one looks really, really super fun. uh, Steamforge Games is bringing out Sea of Thieves. I think we've talked about it on the show before. Sea of Thieves Voyage of Legends, which is, of course, based on the tabletop, or pardon me, which is, of course, based on the Xbox and PC video game of the same name. Yeah, it looks dope. Uh, It's a modular board that comes all together. There's everything you'd expect from a pirate game. Uh, There's a big giant open ocean. There's lots of exploring. And yeah, it really, I guess if I was to just sum it up, it feels like it understands the property just from looking at the, the light details that have come out. Not only does it feel like it understands the property, but it really embraces it in all the right ways. I am genuinely stoked about this. Another game coming out from Farside Games Entertainment, uh, which um, is bringing stuff over from uh, Japan, I believe, uh, because J- Japanime Games is providing distribution for this one. Epic Seven Arise. This is a co-op adaptation of the Epic Seven mobile game, another another video game gone board game, because, you know, that never happens. And yeah, it's got multiple characters from the games, lots of quest lines from the games, lots of side quest lines from the game, and it's, um, again, just feels really kind of in touch with the property that it is uh, being derived from. Uh, another fun one that I saw was uh, Banania the Card Game, and that is from Chelsea Schwartz. And that is a card game where you're trying to use your card powers to collect a bunch of bananas. Imagine a banana that opens up, and instead of a banana inside is a banana that is shaped like a cat. I'm trying not to draw too much from this because I don't fully understand what I'm looking at, but I will say this, it's freaking cute. A banana is actually a cat that lives inside of a banana. I just found a little piece of detail on this, this press release, so there you go. Uh, and it's coming out with four expansion packs, so there's a lot of banana to uh, to acquire. It just looks like one of those little fun games, fun small box games that you can uh, bring with you and, and just have readily available. Kind of think, think like a welcome to. All right, well, my little stories is by the time you hear this, Tales of the Valiant will be on Kickstarter. Uh, this is uh, Cobalt Press's what Pathfinder was to 3.5 D&D. This will be to 5th edition D&D. And uh, I've been reading the playtest packets as, as they've been coming out. It's uh, it's definitely kind of a a D&D 5.5, for lack of a better term. Uh, so if you want to check that out, please do. And uh, it's kind of weird because I totally thought Wizards would not back down from the OGL fiasco. But since they did, I, I, I'm curious how this will shake out. Like, I, I, I don't know if we need this anymore. So I don't know. We'll see. We will see. The other thing is... Uh, Darrington Press, who is owned by the Critical Roles, announced a role-playing game called Daggerheart, which they haven't said much about, only that uh, here's here's the two quotes. Uh, a fresh take on fantasy RPGs designed for long-term campaign play and rich character progression. Uh, and another quote is, it uses a new system designed for long-term fantasy campaign play with rich options as your characters progress. Basically the same thing twice, but slightly different. Uh, I think this all but confirms that the next season of Critical Role will probably be using their own system, which, you know, certainly may- seems like maybe it. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast shouldn't piss them off. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, they are going to have a preview at Gen Con, so that'll be fun. I can't wait to hear about that. 
And uh, yeah, if you're going, look for him there. All right. Well, also coming out of Gamma um, is a slew of games that were on Kickstarter and originally looked like they were just going to be Kickstarter exclusives, but are now making the trek to retail. Um, and this comes from a variety of different partnerships that have come out of Gamma. Uh, the first here is Stone Sword Games has uh, signed a partnership with Lucky Duck Games and will be bringing Senjutsu Battle for Japan, which is uh, their one to four player game where people are using preconstructed pre-constructed decks for their characters um or of course you can create your own um and uh yeah it's a lot all the cards basically are allowing you to move around the battlefield uh orient yourself uh commit combat against other players and think of it as um i mean honestly like it's got flavors of uh ghost of tsushima if it uh and i'm deep cut here if it met bushido blade from the playstation one so there you go um, yeah, one of the coolest things is uh, you can basically chop other people's hands off and make some of their cards <laughs> useless, <laughs> which I thought was hysterical. Um, not the chopping of the hand part, but just the, yeah, the you know, chopping someone's hands off. If anime amounts of blood spray out of it, it it's pretty funny. So now if they can get that into the board game, I'd be impressed. Mm-hmm. That'd be a lot of chits. That would be a lot of chits. Just, just <laughs> you pick up the, the big pile of blood spray and just sort of throw it down. <laughs> Grab 20 blood chits from the pile now. <laughs> toss them randomly at the board. <laughs> um, another one that uh, is making the tr- trip to retail is, I'm going to try and get, <laughs> say this correctly, from Paper Fort Games, Cosmoctopus. I can't believe I nailed that. Uh, that actually is supposed to be at Gen Con in August. Uh, and Cosmoctopus, you have a three by three grid and you are trying to gain resource cards and use those resources to fulfill different cards. Think um, Splendor is the kind of flavor of the gameplay. Um, but it's got basically like Cthulhu tentacles coming out of space, and it comes with a, a badass little uh, 3D plastic Cosmoctopus, which really you need to Google to see the image because it's awesome. It's simultaneously cute and horrifying. Hmm. Uh, another game coming to the U.S. from Lucky Duck, um, who's doing a lot of this... Uh, um, work in the Kickstarter space, is Nimalia. Nimalia is a two to four player card drafting game uh, that I believe is coming from Poland originally and is supposed to release in May. Uh, it's a game that lasts several rounds and each round is based, uh, or pardon me, and the, the score that you get at the end of each round is based on a combination of scoring cards that you reveal during gameplay and elements that are kind of um, built out onto the the gameplay surface. Uh, You start with three random cards that give you a two-by-two pattern of animals and objects on the landscape, and then you have to play those and place neighbor cards to uh, build out the the space and score. So um, it's adorable. I think this might actually get my adorable game of the the year award right now. (laughs) And yeah. All those come in, come into retail, uh, whereas before they were just Kickstarter exclusives, which is exciting. Oh, I forgot to put in one little, last little story. Whoopsie. Uh, Paizo has announced the Pathfinder 2 Remastered Edition, which will come out soon, probably because they completely ran out of their, their print run of 2E products, because thanks, wizards. Basically, this will update Pathfinder to be compatible with the Orc, because they are dropping a few more of the D&D-isms to uh, just fully separate themselves from, you know, the Watsy Hasbros. So yeah, that'll be coming out soon. It's going to have a GM's book this time around. There'll be a player's book. Uh, it's called Player Core, GM Core, 
and and a monster book I forgot the name of, and and uh, an advanced player's guide. And uh, they, yeah, they're changing quite a few things around. I, I've been reading some of the rules updates, like uh, they're getting rid of Asimar and Tiflings and replacing them with Nephilim because, you know, just trying to get away from that Wizards of the Coast. So there you go. That's coming soon. I sense a trend. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, now, I'm not going to go into too much detail on any one of these titles, but um, news has begun to leak out of the uh, Origins Game Fair. There's an extensive preview list actually available now on BGG. And looking through this list, there's a lot of stuff to really be excited about. Um, I'm just going to kind of call out some of the ones that really just jumped out at me as I was looking at the list. Um, a lot of these are English versions of games that have already been available in Europe that are finally making the cross over the uh, over the pond, including things like Joan of Arc, which is uh, an offshoot of the or- Orléans game. This is a draw and write game uh, that has been available in Europe and is now coming to the, um, uh, North America. Another one that uh, is kind of following that same track is Wandering Towers uh, from Capstone Games. Now, uh, we talked about Guerrilla Games not too long. Well, I guess it's been years now, but uh, they did Terror of London. And um, that's a game that we reviewed and enjoyed here on the show. They have a new game coming out called Battle Stations Dirtside, another English edition game. Uh, that'll be out soon. Another one is the Artemis Odyssey, which is also coming with an expansion, uh, Satellites and Commanders. And then finally, a couple of real standouts in terms of art and, you know, boxes that really catch the eye. Earth from Inside Up Games. This is a game that has been available in Europe and is now finally coming to the States. It's a uh, strategy game where you are building uh, an engine uh, that is basically an ecosystem. You are Your engine is built up of unique flora, fauna, and terrains that you uh, build out. Um, Miller Zoo, which is another animal-themed game. I don't know why, but they just, they, they're nailing these covers. One that I'm really excited about for um, reasons from my past, which is Seas of Strife. And this is a game about sailing, um, which is not something you see very often unless it's a pirate theme. Uh, But this is not a pirate theme game. And uh, so I'm planning on picking that one up for sure. And then finally, mostly because of my love of the uh, my love of this particular IP, Robotech Reconstruction, a new Robotech game is coming out. And this looks awesome. Uh, it's uh, taking place after the Zentradi uh, have inv- invaded the Earth. You are trying to keep the peace between the Zentradi civilians and the human civilians, uh, uh, and the humans civilians. And um, basically, the Zentradis are trying to radicalize uh, the Zentradi civilians to join a rebellion, and you are trying to work actively against that. So it's just a slightly different take on the Robotech universe, which I thought was kind of cool. It's a three to four player game, and it is also supposed to be coming out uh, at that same show, uh, Origins. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Wow, nice. Yeah, all all of a sudden, the, the news gates have flooded open. Not a lot of substance, but a lot of titles. All right. Well, my last two news stories are uh, a couple of years ago, the Diana Jones Award uh, during the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, summer, basically, uh, they decided to award their award to every game creator of color of note. And that got a little bit of a blowback because, you know, a whole bunch of people had to share an award for a year instead of how they normally did it. It felt a little, I don't know, felt a little 
I can't think of the word right now, but whatever. Didn't feel quite right. So in response, they said that they are going to start doing an emerging game designers award to uh, bring light onto uh, game designers that uh, maybe should get some more. And this year they have announced their winners. Uh, Anthony Joyce Riviera, who has worked for the Dungeon Masters Guild, Watsi Critical Role, MCDM, and Ghostfire, Aaron Roberts, who has done Pathfinder, Starfinder, Hunter of the Reckoning, etc. Kaya Dice, uh, Transgender Deathmatch, which sound, I'm, I am curious. Uh, How to Embrace a Swamp Creature and the Infinite Dance Floor. All, all interesting titles. I like them all. And then uh, Sen HHS, who's worked for Pathfinder and Level Up. Uh, they all have won the Emerging Designer Awards from the Diana That's Jones awesome. Award. And I, too, am now very interested in playing transgender deathmatch i'm actually gonna look it up right now <laughs> that that i mean just as the title there's a lot to unpack there how to embrace a swamp creature same thing uh transgender deathmatch legend from ratwave game house you are a trans de- transgender deathmatch legend you built your legend with a tapestry of broken glass bloody fists and banging slams you put the hrt in hurt and put the hurt on anyone who tries you. Tonight, you're going to smash your way across Slamchester because someone owes you some money. You went through two burning tables for a promoter, and they've been ducking your calls for months. It's time to settle things hands-on. They heard you're coming. We'll try and stack the deck, stop you from getting what you need to be, but you just remember who you are. You remember what you can... What you can to? What you can to? I think it's supposed to be what you can do. Remember what you can do? And go get your f***ing money. Transgender Deathmatch Legend is a hex crawl beat-em-up designed for two players. You'll need a deck of cards to play with combat resolve through a trick-taking game and the 16-page coil-bound landscape book. The game is aggressively queer, overflowing with trans rage, and inspired by wrestling and fighting games. By default, this is a two-player game. One player plays the protagonist. They say what they do in any scene and play cards to win rounds of combat. The other will play the facilitator, playing every other character in and out of combat. Fascinating. There you go. I, 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 I would be down to try this. <laughs> and last but not least, and maybe you've got the hint of this from some of my previous news stories, Wizards of the Coast Hasbro has stepped on a rake again. What? Yeah. No, never. This is old news by now. You probably heard of it, but basically a YouTube streamer uh, ordered some magic cards for the new magic set. Oh, I heard about this. Did I send you this? You did. And uh, yeah, it w- he was supposed to get March of the Machines, but he got March of the Machines Aftermath, which, you know, mistakes were made by whoever he bought them from. But then knocking on his door a couple days after he posts a YouTube video of unboxing all this stuff is the goddamn Pinkerton Detective Agency asking for their stuff back because they assumed he stole it, I guess. When asked for comment, uh, Watsi Hasbro said that uh, the Pinkertons acted with the utmost professionalism and decorum, whereas this guy says they made his wife cry, counted every single card, even though he paid for them with his own money, accused him of thieving them, threatened to call the sheriff on him, and threatened to fine him $200,000 for stealing stuff. Um, yeah, I think I think it was $200,000 for breaking an NDA he never signed, because, you know, that, that matters. Um... Yeah. Are, are, aren't they banned from working with the U.S. government? Aren't yes, there, like there, there is a law. An act of Congress? There's an act of Congress, and all it literally says is the Pinkertons are not allowed to work for the United States government anymore. Like, that's the entire text of that's the law. That's great. 
That's yeah. great. Way to go, Hasbro. And Way uh, to go. fun. Uh, this is not the first time they have used them. Actually, it's come out that they've used them a couple times before to track down stolen magic stuff. Uh, most famously, somebody managed to pilfer an entire uncut sheet of foil magic cards, and they the they got the Pinkertons to track that down and get it back. And it's uh, there's at least another one or two uh, times that they've used it, according to the, the reports by Linda Coldega, uh, who is uh, who is the game journalist extraordinaire. Um, so yeah, and fun fact, uh, the Pinkertons sued Rockstar Games over the use of the Pinkertons in De- Red Dead Redemption 2. Were they successful? I can't imagine they would they, be. I they mean, se- historical they s- fiction. They settled. Uh, Take-Two was trying to get that, but they everybody, it, lo- it looks like, settled. But it is fun to point out that they did not sue for defamation for being the villains in Red Dead Redemption 2. No, they just went... They'd, they'd be able to win that case. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they just went after trademark infringement. I think that's kind of telling. I'm just, I'm just gonna put oh, that there. I'm wow. gonna put it down. I'm gonna put yeah. it down. And leave it there. Yeah, I'm gonna need a towel because that comment was slimy. <laughs> so anyway, well, for, there you go. There for you those go. of you guess, keeping, uh, uh, well, for those of you keeping score at home, it's May. It's not even halfway through the, mir- the year, and Watsi Hasbro has had at least two major scandals this year. <laughs> Plus the weirdness of the crater stomach that, uh, by all accounts, went off the rails, and uh, additionally the grumblings of the magic players that way too much stuff is getting printed and it's showing no signs of slowing down. So Jonathan Hasbro Watsi has said, or Watsi Hasbro has said, they are going to be at Gen Con this year. Do you think they can stop themselves from stepping on a rake between now and then? You know, I gotta say, I feel like that is a solid no. Okay, you're gonna go with no. Fascinating. All right. Well, uh, stay tuned to the space. We'll tell you if they step on a rake again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The f- Pinkertons, man. Like, I still can't believe it. When I saw that news report, I was just shocked. Well, fun fact, uh, Hasbro's head, head of security used to work for the Pinkertons. Oh, why am I not surprised? Mm-hmm. F- sick. It's a f- card game. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, let, let's let's... You're not saving the world. You're not the CIA, the FBI, or any other goddamn alphabet agency. You're a f***ing toy company. Why are you doing this to people? But you know what I mean? Like, for God's uh, no, sakes, well, this, this, this guy made a legitimate purchase. It wasn't even his fault. And you're going and threatening him? Like, this is ridiculous. So what I think we're seeing here, Jonathan, is that for a very, very long time, Hasbro kind of ignored the Watsi half the company, you know, because it was just those, like, weirdos with their with their cardboard games and... Dungeons and Dragons over in the corner. And then because of recent events, uh, they kind of realized that, you know, the Wizards of the Coast part of the company is actually the part of the company that's making tons of money. That's kind of their business now. And so all of a sudden, like over the last year, I'd say we've seen Hasbro itself do a major shift from kind of ignoring Wizards to really focusing on them really, really hard. And I'm not opposed to them focusing on that business, but like, well, the problem is Limits, they've got a lot of know? people. They, they've got a lot of people who think they know what they're doing, who have never, never really interacted with you know. Because I, I mean, you're right. They're a toy company. Like they don't know about magic and D and D. And, and look, I'm not saying toys aren't important. I, I don't. I don't want to come off like I'm. I'm being an elitist blowhard I, that, here. I'm I, just, I, agreed. Agreed. I'm just saying, not the same business. No, it, it, it's it's a matter of of um, perspective. You know. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I legitimately feel like they might have just lost perspective here. Yeah, well, and let's not forget Hasbro's promise to the shareholders that they're going to like double profits in the next like three or four years. It's like, okay, that's, 
Duffman says a lot of things, I guess, but uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, man. Like that, that I, seems uh, that seems very um, ambitious. Let me shake my magic eight ball. Huh? Outcome not so good. Yeah, it, that that does seem uh, quite a bit ambitious. But who yeah. knows? You know what? Uh, whatever, whatever. I, I just all I'm saying is you got to treat the public right, and this feels like it's really going above and beyond to be shady and not awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. On that note, shall we move on to our next segment? <laughs> oh, God. Is that more? Oh, <laughs> that was a good segue. <laughs> so we are foregoing our normal King It All Things uh, segment today for a special break. Uh, we both managed to make it to an actual factual movie theater and watched the Dungeons & Dragons movie, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which has been a mainstay on our show for, what, two years, three years now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've had It's come up a lot. Yeah. Didn't it cost you points in the prediction? No, no, I I got it. I had it. I I, I made a prediction about how it would do because it was supposed to come out last year, but then it got delayed because of COVID. And so it it was a wash. Like, it didn't happen, you know? And I don't think it was my fault that they delayed it. (laughs) It just just didn't happen. Because I made a prediction because it was based off the release date, but then they changed the release date to April. Look, I'll I'll be the first to say I stand 110% surprised that it even ever made it out of the gates i would have figured that this would have been yet another one of these press releases that never see the light of day you know what i mean i completely disagree based off of what we were just talking about i i think hasbro's going all in on the D. oh and no I, I agree with you now i agree with you now i'm just saying when when they first started talking about it that's, no, true. that's kind of true, that's true. kind of what I, I felt like it was going to end up being which i'm glad it wasn't all right well let's do our normal shtick uh Released uh, in April, this like year. a month ago. Uh, <laughs> had a budget. Already, already on the red box. I, I was wrong about this when we made our predictions. I found the actual budget was $150 million. Uh, so far, it has taken in $203.7 million, which sadly, because I did a prediction about it, is not Shazam money. It's less than Shazam money at this point. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll see well, if they... That's because Shazam really underperformed. Yeah, well, this this is also underperformed. Um which is sad. Uh, it was directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein. Jonathan Goldstein being uh, Sweets from Bones, who I I, I don't know. Uh, that directing duo, I, you know, their movies keep getting better. I, I wish this movie had hit harder. I think they deserve one, to be honest with you. They're very good comedic directors. No, absolutely. I was actually very impressed with how, how this movie ended up being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it... By the way, by the way, uh, yeah, this is going to be spoiler filled. So if you if you don't want to hear about it, uh, uh, just skip ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I guess let's 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 just start in the beginning. This this is not. A movie where people are actively acknowledging that they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Rather, this is a movie that takes place in the Dungeons and Dragons universe and specifically the Forgotten Realms. Yes, like straight up the Forgotten Realms. In fact, a lot oh, of it they takes name drop. They name name drop like Sword Coast. They name drop Waterdeep. Like, <laughs> they oh god, they name all over the place. Did Did you catch the uh, the the wizard character? What's his name? Actually, he's a sorcerer. I I apologize. the The sorcerer character. What's his name? Let me look him up. Um, da, 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 da. There he is. Uh, 
Simon Amor, uh, A-U-M-A-R, I, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, d- do you know what they were name dropping? And remember when he saw his ancestor? Do you know who that was? Oh, I, vaguely. I, it, I remember that, catching a reference, but I don't remember specifically. That was Elminster. <laughs> there you go. And, and they cast Elminster as a black man, which I was like, whoa, <laughs> I was not expecting that, but cool. Casting was one of the best parts about this movie. Agreed. But yeah, no, oh, they, they, it wasn't just that. They dro- name dropped names. Uh, it's funny. Almost every monster that didn't end up in the OGL uh, because they wanted to keep it for some reason ended up in this movie. I think the only exception is the Mind Flayers. I didn't see. But, you know, they're like, yeah, well, I was I was like always eyes out looking for them. And I was really genuinely surprised when they didn't show up. Yeah, but we had we had uh, we had uh, intellect devourers. We had displacer beasts. We had there, Dude, there two- was a freaking mimic chest. Yeah, <laughs> which was awesome, by the way. So, uh, yeah, the ba- and there was the whole party from the 80s cartoon, which I also thought was freaking hysterical. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if the, the other party that was in that segment was somebody else. I haven't I haven't I haven't watched a video with all this, the Easter eggs. I, I need to watch the movie again, because I mean, honestly, and, and, and it's not like they're hitting you over the head with these references at all. No the references are are, are are woven into the fabric of the film. It, they're. They're like simultaneously world building. And if you know the world, they're wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's very clever, actually, the way it's written. Yeah, that, that part they did really well. That part they did really well. So the, the basic plot is um, uh, the characters have a complicated backstory because apparently one of them turned in a, like a three-page backstory for his character. Um, and, and, and it should be said, before you continue, I, I do want to make the point right now because you, you just kind of brought it up. Um. That's one of the things that this movie really actually does quite well. The whole thing feels from start to finish like the kind of shenanigans that would actually happen in an actual factual D&D game. But they play it straight. But they play it straight and they never break character and they never acknowledge the fourth wall. And it, it, it's I, I don't know how else you do this kind of movie, uh, if I'm to be honest. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. So uh, Chris Pine plays uh, Edgen Darvis, who uh, used to be a Harper agent, but then his family got killed and he blames himself and he be- turns to a freaking a- bard, by the way. You know, that bugged me. That bugged me because as, as close as they were to everybody else's class, they never actually show him casting a spell or very obviously using bardic inspiration on anybody. And uh, and he calls himself a mastermind at one point, and I was thinking about it, and this is just the nerd in me. But there there is a mastermind rogue subclass in one of the D and D books, and I'm like, you know, if he had the entertainer background, because they always got annoyed with him playing his loot too. Which if you're a bard, that's like your whole thing. But like, yeah, I, I was thinking to myself, it's like if he was an entertainer uh, rogue with the mastermind uh, class, that would make a lot more sense for this movie. But whatever, maybe that's what they were going for. I, no, I, I, I no, I really want to watch the. Uh, I, I really, 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 really want to watch the the making of stuff on this one. Yeah, no, no, they released official character sheets. Uh, Ed, Edgen is a uh, he's he's a bard in those, so missed opportunities, I think. Um, so he has a friend uh, played by Michelle Rodriguez named uh, Helga Kilgore, who's a barbarian. Who's a total barbarian. Uh-huh. And did you see that she gained like twenty pounds of mass for the for the role? I would buy it. Yeah, she was pretty buff. <laughs> yeah, man, she was ripped. It was crazy. And uh, they're joined by Justice Smith playing Simon Amor, who's the half-elf wild magic sorcerer I talked about uh, earlier. I, I also do have to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that I, I had a hard time not giggling a little bit to myself because I, it, due to the nature of the story, there were several instances where I was half expecting Michelle Rodriguez to go, it's about family. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked they didn't. 
Because oh, movie me, quotes. Something tells me there's a cut. There's a cut scene there. I'm not gonna lie. Movie quotes, man. I'm surprised they didn't sneak in a couple movie quotes. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, uh, Sophia Sophia Lillis plays Doric, a Typhling Druid, who's the healer of the party, I guess. And uh, she wild shapes a lot as a druid, actually. And then uh, Hugh Grant plays the uh, the former teammate, now big bad Forge Fizzwillem. And uh, he he actually, I was kind of impressed with him. He seemed to be having a good time, which which you know, legitimately, yeah. I, I thought he was collecting a paycheck. To be honest with you, but no, he was having a good time. Yeah. So yeah, the basic plot is you know they're. They have a long, complicated backstory. Their friend betrays him. He's working for bad guys. They got to stop his villainous plot. Yada yada yada. It's it's an excuse plot. Um, so the good. It's it's very funny. It's very funny in parts. Um, it's not necessarily humor directed. Like it's not nerd humor, which is good. It's just general. You know, like if you know, like they do kind of make fun of the rules of D and D. Like when it like the the skit you know, that they released on the, the interwebs where they cast the, the speak to dead spell. And, you know, it's like, we could ask them five questions. <laughs> and it's like, why only five? And it's like, I don't know. That's just how it works. And, and like, yeah, like that, that was pretty hilarious. And that whole bit was very, very hilarious. But you know what? It, it, it's never done in, um, it's never done in malice. It's always done in, in good humor. Yeah. Yeah. They're not punching down. It's, 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 at, at it, best, they get a little... They're just acknowledging the quirks. Yes, they're acknowledging the quirks. And and yeah, and then speaking of shenanigans that players get up to, Michelle Rodriguez's love story in that was hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> that was hysterical. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just a lot of little bits that were very, very, very funny and very just the antics that a D&D crew would get up to. And like... I, I honestly felt at the beginning of the movie that Michelle Rodriguez was also phoning it in a bit, but then you got to the scenes with her <laughs> when they did her love story and she was amused as hell by the whole process. You could tell. Oh and, yeah. And no, she got the way whole thing into was it. Funny. Yeah. And, and, and then I realized, no, she's actually, she's actually acting like she's doing her character pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty funny. You, you said something to me before I had a chance to go see it. Cause I saw it like a week after you did. And it's something that really stuck with me. The, the thing that you can say about this movie more than any other thing is that it's just, it's got heart in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. So ultimately, I don't know how you felt about it. Ultimately, I thought it probably, I mean, given fantasy movies are, are a pretty wild bunch here and it's among the better fantasy movies, but it had a problem that a lot of fantasy movies do. Um, which is they get really obsessed on questing and the quests are feeling very like just things that happen along the way. And, yes. and a lot of fantasy movies get in trouble with it and don't do it right. And <coughs> crawl. <coughs> it's not just crawl. It's oh like no, I'm just, them. that was the first one that popped to mind. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, like, it's not like because it's, it's by far one of the most egregious. <laughs> yeah, but it's by far not the one that, you know, screwed it up the most. And but no, that's no, thing. not at all. It's just the first one that always pops to mind when you make a comment like that, because it was just so freaking egregious in that movie. Yes, yes. But it had the James Horner soundtrack. So that's all good. Fire um, the- dude, that soundtrack still rocks. Yeah, yeah. Or, the fi- or as, as, as my teenager would say, slaps. Yeah, no, Don't the fire, ask me why. the fire mare uh, theme slaps like that's that's a great theme. 
Yeah, it kind it kind of meanders a little bit and it doesn't stay focused, which is weird because like movies that do it well, like A Knight's Tale, there's a lot of questing in that essentially, and it works. And uh, Lord of the Rings, obviously. So I I don't know I don't know how they could have fixed that, but it just because like uh, the paladin character that shows up in the third in the second act, and that's all he's there for. Uh, it it was one rewrite away from perfection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really close. It just yeah. yeah, it was it was a it was a third draft. Just needed to do one more round of cleanup, and instead they sent it to to, to print. Yeah, it felt a little executive meddling to me, to be honest with you. Like oh, a hundred percent. There's a yeah. lot of aspects of that movie where you could clearly, clearly see that the studio was terrified of losing its investment and thought that they knew better. Yeah, yeah. And the irony of it is. You could tell the parts where they were left alone, and that th- those are the best parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, overall, thumbs up. I mean, if you like fantasy movies, it's it's by far not the worst. I'll, I'll say this. This is, this is not the normal kind of movie that my wife would be into, and I totally feel comfortable showing her this because I know she'd have a good time. Yeah. And she is not at all into D&D, like... I would just call it honor among thieves to her. She doesn't need the Dungeons and Dragons bit. Also, the fat dragon was hysterical. Just saying. He, he's from uh, he's from uh, 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 one of the adventures. Um, the the one the abyss one. I forget the name of it, but he's he's a named he's a named dragon in that. <laughs> it, I'm, but just like the way they animated him, mm-hmm. the way he tries to fly, like every aspect of that was just absolutely hysterical. The fat dragon was freaking awesome. Yeah, I think. I think what Hasbro ultimately missed out on here is Hasbro really wants to make money with Dungeons and Dragons. And they, they, they keep talking about how like, Oh, Dungeons and Dragons, like everybody knows it. Everybody knows Dungeons and Dragons. You say Dungeons and Dragons and everybody's heard of it. And it's like, yeah, everybody's heard of it. But if you ask the follow-up question to that, which is what is Dungeons and Dragons? I don't think you get nearly the same answers. No. And what they really needed to do with this movie was define what is Dungeons and Dragons or at least attempt to, and they did not do that. It kind of failed. And now given they could take another crack at it because there's going to be a spinoff TV show, but I think ultimately that's the problem. What Hasbro really needs to focus on is not try to milk that cow. They need to decide what the larger media around Dungeons and Dragons actually factually is and like stick to it. And if this movie is merely the first step in that process, Fair enough, but if we get movies that you know go off of tone of this or you know are experimenting, it 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 says to me that they haven't thought about it too hard and that they're just you know like you know throwing mud at the wall and seeing what'll stick, and that's ultimately not going to be good for the the body, but or the franchise or whatever. But I, I don't, don't know. know. I, I, hopefully, this made enough that we'll we'll get another another shot at the uh, at it. But like. It feels like because of the financial miss, I don't know that we will. Dude, it, I don't know why they released it the weekend they did. It was weird. It was like they didn't know what they had and they just sent it out to die. Yeah, yeah. And it, and, and it was up against some rough stuff. You know, like uh, Avatar was still making money at that point, And there, something else came out the week after it came. Oh, 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 it was the Mario Brothers movie, for Christ's sake. Why would you go up against that? Oh, that was just senseless. That was just senseless. But yeah, like why, why, why? Like, yeah, they, they I, it feels like they set out to die. The fact that it made $200 billion, even with that, I'm, I'm shocked, frankly, but it could have, it could have gone way better. And also like after the whole OGL debacle, like it felt like they, it knocked the wind out of their sales for marketing. Cause it didn't seem like they marketed it very well until like after it came out. 
Well, and, and to be fair, it, like, man, the studio caught an unlucky break there. But I don't know why they had it go up against the Mario Brothers movie. Like, I know it's kind of like a different genre and not the same people are going to see it. But the problem is, like, enough of the same people are going to see it that it's going to, you know, just knock all the wind out of your sails. I, I don't know. <sighs> I, I hope more people give this a shot, uh, especially when it comes to home video, because it, it is genuinely fun. And it does, like like you said, it has a great heart. And, and that is... That is enough for it to carry through. It is fun. And you know what, what it doesn't have is is like what the, the World of Warcraft movie had, which is like half of it was really good and half of it was absolutely stupid. <laughs> That's true. This was a much higher overall grade of quality and matched from front to back. I would say for me, it kind of felt like the original Spider-Man movie or the original X-Men movie where the first movie was kind of a mess. And then, but when they got their second movie and they had all their world building done and they didn't have to worry about it anymore. And they just decided well, and, and the executive stayed away from it. Yeah. And when they just started to like drill in and tell a good story, like, you know, you could tell a good story in that world. They just, yeah, hopefully they get to come up to bat again, but I don't know, man, with the money it's gotten, I'm not sure that'll happen. I guess it'll depend on how the TV show does on Paramount plus. Uh, here's hoping here's hoping. Cause that was good stuff. I really enjoyed that more than I thought I was going to agreed. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our, well, our, our temporary reprieve from the King at All Things segment. That will be returning to normal in the next episode, which means it is time for our Year in the Life segment. That means we look back a year ago as to what we were doing, which was, wow, has that been a year? Oh, my God. I can't believe it's been a year since that episode. Forgot my dice. 127. Old man energy. We uh, reviewed foundations of rome i think it was the physical release because we yes it was because we'd done the 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 digital release yeah yeah let's see what else were we doing uh uh seven wonders oh i played dragon quest 11 again fire Emblem. i need to finish fire emblem three houses fire in the uh, sky i do nice. too i do too uh oh oh our stephen king movie was needful things nice oh that was that was a long time ago. <laughs> I just watched it. One of us had just watched The Batman. Uh, that was me. I remember I just watched it on a uh, disc because I yeah. missed that in theaters. And that was that was a surprisingly good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. I guess they're I guess they're going ahead with the sequel for it, um, but it's not going to be in the new universe or whatever. But uh, Dang, you, you want to talk about a, a company that just doesn't know what what it wants to do. DC is just all over the place right now with their movie stuff. Like uh, they, they just need to figure out a way forward. Warner brothers seems to be in the same boat. I, th I think they figured out their way forward. It's just, we're now in the weird zone where that hasn't happened yet. Cause, uh, yeah, but they keep releasing movies. Well, yeah, but cause they got the flash coming out with the, 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 the very, very, very troublesome person. Yeah. And, and blue beetle. <laughs> and now they got blue beetle coming out. So it's like, I, oh, hey, I really want to continue this timeline, but at the same time, I'm just going to release a bunch of side stories and just confuse the shit out of everybody. Well, I think I think what happened there is just, again, I think they just decided to make James Gunn, and it's, and you know. Yeah, they, finally, but he hasn't even been at it for a year, and his movies aren't going to start showing up for another 18 months. I know. Well, but what do you do with all the stuff in the meantime? Yeah, you, you I, complain, I, I get it. I get it. They have but to, you they complain have to that they shelled Batgirl, so, like, what are they supposed to do, you know? So, I don't know. No, I'm not saying that they don't release what they had in the pipe, but like it, it's so obvious that right now it just seems like they're meandering around. They don't know what to do. And, yeah. and the irony of the whole thing, 
Robert, the thing that drives me absolutely batty and up the wall is that they just nailed the hell out of their TV shows. They created a concise universe, they linked them all together, they had fun with it, they had crossover stuff, and it was dope. I'm not saying that they were all like fabulous and amazing moments in television, but it was fun, consistently fun, and it all made sense and it came together. Mm-hmm. That's all I need out of a comic book anything. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're, right, off, I'm done. we're off topic. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm done ranting. Anyway, that's what we did. Foundations Row, man. That, that's good stuff. I really enjoy that one. Carlos, of all people, really enjoys that one. I, I need to get Link. I bet Lincoln would love that one. I haven't had a chance to get that in front of him. I'm going to make that a point to do that this weekend. R- write that down. We have old, old man brain. You got you to gotta write it down. Otherwise, you forget. No, you know what the best part is? I, I found out recently that Lincoln started listening to the podcast uh, on his <laughs> own. He didn't tell me he did it. And, and now he started to, like, you know, make comments about what we talk about in the podcast, which is freaking hysterical and lovely. Isn't it weird, by the way? Isn't it weird? Because uh, Ray does that to me sometimes. Like, like you know how when I'm editing, I'll, I'll bring up points that we're talking about and chat with you about it? Yeah. Well, like, Ray does it, and I get it, like, a week week to two weeks later. Like, he, <laughs> he brings it up, and I'm like, and he, and he talks to me like I know what happened. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, huh, huh. That was a, that was a while ago that yeah, I said that we, out loud. <laughs> Ray, when, when, when you do that to us, you have to remember that you have to time machine that action. Uh, give us context, because to us, that's the past, man. <laughs> I know that that's your present, but that's our past. Maybe tomorrow it'll be somebody's future. I don't know. When will then be now? <laughs> Soon. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our year in life segment, which means, of course, we are at the end of this segment. We will be back after a short break where we will be uh, deep diving our, our, uh, in a new and interesting way, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but we'll be deep diving a game called The Bloody Inn. So join us in just a few. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back from the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And on tonight's deep dive, we're going a little retro. We're doing things a little bit different. Um, and let me explain why. I had a chance to sit down with my kids the other day. And um, we had a rare night in where everybody was kind of around. And they wanted to play board games. So uh, the two older kids and I, and actually, and Lincoln joined as well. We all sat down and we played The Bloody Inn, which is a game that came out quite a while ago. I guess not like super long time ago, not like ages ago, but it, it, old enough that it predates our podcast. It got me thinking, like, why don't we ever talk about these games? Maybe they deserve a deep dive as well. Maybe it's not always Cult of the New. And so we're going to try something a little bit different tonight. And we're going to do a retro deep dive into something that is uh, a smidge older, but definitely deserves your attention. And that is The Bloody Inn. Do you know how to pronounce the name of the town that it takes place in? Pay Rebel? pay rebel that's what i'm going with i don't know i'm I'm not fluent in french but i'm sure there's like a fancy enunciation in a pay rebel i don't know yeah yeah well you forget the first last letter of the word unless it's an e so that sounds about right the little village of pay rebel sees numerous travelers pass through 
A family of greedy rural farmers is determined to make its fortune and has devised a diabolical stratagem to achieve this goal. Invest in an inn so they can rob traveling guests, getting rich without arousing the suspicions of the police. Whether or not their plan will work out, one thing is certain. Not every guest will leave this inn alive. Jonathan, tell me how this game plays. Oh, I'm looking up how to pronounce it now. Mm. Pay Rebeya. Pay Rebey. Cool. Rebeya. It's rated a five out of five on the difficulty scale for pronunciation. Why did they set the game there then? I don't know. I didn't make it. Mm, okay. How's it play, Jonathan? All right. Well, setup's pretty easy. You, uh, you whip out the board. The board itself has uh, rooms at an inn. Uh, there's quite a few rooms. Everybody gets uh, a bunch of little um, markers, and you're going to start up uh, by getting two peasants. And peasants are, are one of the ways that you gain additional cards in the game. We'll explain that in just a little bit. They're going to be your, basically your, your aid at the beginning of the game. You're also going to get a uh, couple of little tokens and you're going to formulate the deck and the deck is going to be based on your player count and whether or not you want to play a short game or a long game. So, uh, for instance, um, the game can be played with two, three or four players with two players. You're going to remove 35 cards for the short game, 25 cards for the long game for three players, 28 cards for the short game, remove 16 cards for the long game. And for the four player, you only remove 22 cards for the short game and you only remove six cards for the long game. And basically what that'll do is it, it, it sets how many times you're going to be able to go through the deck um, with guests at your inn. You're also going to get a couple of little chits. Those chits are going to uh, be in your specific player color. You're going to start out by putting pieces onto the deck or pardon, onto the board, indicating which room is yours. You start out with one room and... Um, all the other rooms get neutral colors. And then as you go through the game, you will often have an opportunity to place another one of your color down on a room, uh, meaning that you take control of it. And basically that will be a resource that you can cash in on later on, again, to buy more cards. Gameplay is going to be divided into two seasons. And depending on the length of the game, that could be a number of different rounds. During the first season, the travelers are going to arrive at the end of the first time, and that season is basically going through your, your draw deck from the start to the finish. The lucky ones will continue to trek. The unlucky ones you will kill and rob and take their money. The um, cards that form the escape deck, so people that have successfully stayed at the end and survived and left, uh, are going to form a new deck, and when you get to the end of the deck the first time, you're going to grab that, that escape deck and that becomes your second season, and you'll go through one more time before you end the game. Each round is going to be f divided into three phases. You're going to welcome travelers in the evening. You're going to take your actions in the dead of the night. And the end of the round, in the morning, uh, you will see uh, how it shakes out. The first player is going to be responsible for welcoming the travelers that round, and they, what, they do that by drawing a set number of cards based on the number of players you have, and then putting those cards into rooms. Now, there's a little bit of strategy that occurs there, and as you start to learn the intricacies of the game, this strategy becomes more and more important. Do you put your um, cheap cards down where they will obviously get taken, therefore depriving other players of resources? For instance, if you have a very, very cheap, easy-to-acquire card, do you put that in your opponent's room, the one that is color-coded to them, so that when it gets picked up, they don't have anybody staying in that room anymore, meaning they will not get money from that room at the end of the round? Or 
Do you stack really, really expensive cards in certain rooms? Like say, hey, taking an expensive card that you know is very unlikely to get taken this round and putting that in your own room, ensuring that you get payment that round. Just remember, a different person will be doing this step every single round, meaning that if you screw somebody else on your turn, you might get screwed later on. All make sense so far? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So once you've got the travelers down in their rooms, you go to phase two, and that is when you have player actions. And and the player actions are all very, very similar. On your turn, you're going to get a chance to either bribe a guest, build an annex, kill a guest, bury a corpse, or pass, which allows you to launder your money and um, basically cash it in. The reason that's important, by the way, is because there's only 30 scoring spots on the board. And if you get more money than those 30, you don't get to just cash it in. You have to actively manage how much you have and cash it out by laundering it into check form, in which case it's a little chit that means 10 bucks and that you you keep in your play area. All make sense? Yes, it does. So let's talk about the actions. When you take an action, you have to pay for that action. You pay for that action by the cards in your hand. And that's where the peasants will help you get started. There's a lot of cheap cards in the game, games that you'll be able to get for for no, uh, no cost or low cost. The cards in your hand will have iconography that lets you know what they are worth. And basically, you need to start building up your hand so that you can pay for additional cards um, and then use those cards to buy other actions. So, for instance, when you take an action of either bribing or building or killing or burying, you have to pay for that action using the cards in your hands, and that the, the, the action is going to be defined by the rank of the chosen card you are trying to either bribe, build, kill, or bury. So that has a specific cost associated with it. You have to pay for it with the cards in your hand, those cards will have different values depending on uh, what they're worth when you buy them. And if they happen to have an aptitude for your chosen action, you actually get to keep that card at the end of the round rather than lose it into the escape deck. So for instance, if you pay for something using your peasants, your peasants will leave your hand at the end of that round and go into a pool of peasants that you can buy from at any time. If you pay for it with other guest cards that you have purchased over the game, but they do not have an aptitude for that action, then they go into the escape pile, meaning that you lose them forever. Now, each guest will also have a little symbol on them that will mean that they have an aptitude for either bribery, building, killing, or burying. So if you use those cards to take one of those actions and they have that aptitude, you get actually get to pick them up and put them back in your hand for a later action. So that's where planning what you buy and taking care of what you buy is really, really important. All make sense so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the steps are identical, whether you're bribing, burying, killing, or burying. Um, you said burying twice. Really, you mean laundering? Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. Building, I meant. Building. 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 Bribing, building, killing, or burying. Those are the four actions. The, the, the actions are always the same. Pay for it with cards in your hand. If they have an aptitude, you keep them. If they don't, you send them away. And then you take your new card and take that action. When you bribe a guest, you're selecting them from the room, regardless of who owns that room. You, um, and then you add the bribed guest to your hand. Basically, they become your accomplice in whatever your next action is going to be. 
when you build an annex, you're basically building a hole in the ground that you can hide bodies into. But here's the trick. Once you build that annex, anybody else in the game can bury a body in your annex. If you bury a body in your annex, you get 100% of the dead person's uh, money. If your opponents bury the body, they have to split their money with you. So there is a legitimate strategy where you are just building a bunch of holes in the ground and cashing in from everybody else's murders. When you kill a guest, you're going to end up with a body and you got to do something with that. And that takes another action. And the reason that's important is because when you kill somebody, if you don't put them into a hole in the ground, and remember, you only get two actions in a round, then you're going to be holding onto that body. And a lot of the cards, a lot of the guests that stay in the inn will have law enforcement backgrounds. And if they are there in the morning and they catch you with a body, you're going to be out a lot of money trying to bribe them. Again, another layer of strategy that goes into it. Because if you see law enforcement and you know you've got a body and you're not going to be able to bury it that round, you might end up either killing the law enforcement or bribing them into your deck so that they cannot catch you in the morning. Make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And then finally, there's burying. Um, and burying is basically hiding your bodies. That's, that's the action. So the actions all behave the exact same way in terms of the mechanics and the economics of the game, but they have very different things. And at the end of the round, there's always going to be, in the morning, a police investigation if a law enforcement card was staying in one of the rooms and was not either bribed or murdered overnight. At the end of the round, all the remaining travelers are going to leave. They leave the room. They go into the exit pile. And then you have to pay your accomplices because they're accomplices in your illicit deeds. So any points that you've scored during that round, you're going to have to pay each of your accomplices a set amount based on, um, uh, based on their rank. And that's it. That's the main mechanics of the game. But my God, there's so much depth to this game. And it, there's also a certain amount of luck based on how many, um, how many law enforcement cards maybe hit the, 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 the room at any given time. It's hysterical because you can end up with like three or four bodies piled up in front of you. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The cops keep coming. Do I just keep killing them or do I just start burying bodies? I don't know what to do. Like, it's hysterical. So after two rounds, you're going to calculate who has the most money. Uh, laundered money is going to be the real, the real kicker there, right? Like, and, you know, because um, each of those checks that you have are worth 10 francs. Uh, francs are the money of the game. And at the end of the game, uh, the richer, richest player is going to win. And if there's a tie, it's the player who has the most corpses under their annexes is going to win. And if there's still a tie, then the game ends in a tie and you have to play again to decide a winner, which is kind of cool. So there you go. That is the bloody inn at its base. So how does the rulebook do explaining all that? The rulebook does a fine job. Um, there, it's, it's, it's a pretty straightforward game. And once you understand the economics at play, and once you understand that every single action essentially uses the exact same mechanics, it's going to click and you're going to do fine. My suggestion is really sit down, play around, understand the mechanic, and then restart and, and play the game for real. So I was looking, by the way, I, for, I forgot to mention at the end of a round, if you do have a body and there's a police card in the inn, uh, you have to bribe the, the, the grave digger and you bribe them paying 10 franc. And if you don't have 10 franc, you have to basically empty out your coffers. And in this game, 10 franc is a lot of money. Yeah, it seems like. So that, that you just, yeah, really got to be careful. You got to take care of your bodies. <laughs> 
So <laughs> it's a dark. Game. It is a dark game, um, <laughs> but it's freaking hysterical. It's so much fun. So I was looking at the Kabutas over on the board game uh, geek. Uh, it's you know standard issue cards and cardboard shits. How, how how does all that feel and all that? It's all a hundred percent. It's what you'd expect. It's it's a good quality card stock. Uh, game feels really good in hand. My only complaint is that the scoreboard has a, a center cut and it, it doesn't want to settle down and go a hundred percent flat. That is such a minor thing. It's nothing that a, you know a heavy book couldn't fix in an evening. Is there anything off in the execution of this game besides its dark nature, maybe not being appealing to everybody? You know what? It is actually rather appealing. Um, is it dark? Absolutely. But you kind of just put your, your tongue in cheek and you have some fun with the theme. Um, it can be absolutely hysterical when somebody just starts murdering people left and right, desperately trying to prevent themselves from getting caught. And all of a sudden they end up with this huge pile of bodies and they don't know what to do with them. And they're just freaking out, trying to get rid of the bodies and more cops keep pouring into the end. It's just it's really funny. And you can come up with some very clever narratives and, and give the whole thing. The characters themselves are, are all very unique. The art style is actually very unique as well. Um, the characters all fall into um, kind of specific um, jobs, if you will. Uh, like the aristocrats don't really have specialties that can help you but they are worth a lot of money if you kill them. They, they carry uh, high amounts of coin. Um, there's also text on the bottom of a lot of the cards that if you activate them, you can get a bonus, uh, bonus, you know, basically gameplay out of them. Uh, that can range from money to, um, uh, you know, game-breaking uh, rule changes and things like that. Um, it really adds a whole nother level of complexity to the game. Uh, because it suddenly makes certain cards a lot more attractive, but those cards can get you into a little bit of a quagmire in terms of how are you going to pay for them? It's really awesome. And what, what's the recommended player count, by the way, does it scale well with multiple players or with, you know, two, it does. They, they, they've, they've done a really good job because they've, they've basically said, um, they're, they're changing the size of the deck based on, on how many people are going to go. And you, you put out less, uh, you know, kind of less people. That being said, I find this game really hums at four. It, it really hums at that max player count. And that's because you get a little more um, of the, the craziness of having multiple humans involved. By the way, I just brought up an example of the card text on the bottom um, just to give you some examples. Uh, if, for instance, you, you bury a um, cultivator, you immediately get one franc per red, per red annex that you've built, including this one. So when you build the annex, you get that 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 one franc bonus. And if you've been building nothing but red onks or red annexes, that can be a, a, a major, a major jump in points. Uh, another one, for instance, um, from now on players play, uh, play one accomplice fewer to perform the build action on an annex. That's if you get the mechanic and, and, you know, that kind of gives you an idea for the, for the flavor. Those cards really help you to, um, make things less expensive, make things less impactful and give you more flexibility in how you attack the game. So sometimes you'll chase after something that doesn't make a lot of sense from a financial perspective, but it's because you're trying to build yourself a, a better rule break for the rest of the game. All right, Jonathan, you have one last thing to say about this game. Go. There's a reason that I decided to do this review. It's because I, I grabbed this from the shelf, dusted it off. It'd been a while since I played it, played it with the kids and we were all having a great time and laughing 
and it was everything right about games. And it reminded me that it doesn't always have to be about the cult of the new. Sometimes we can look back at stuff that's been out for a while and remember that it's still a great freaking game. And this is a great freaking game. It is so much fun to play. You can probably find a copy reasonably inexpensively. It does not take up a lot of table room. It does not take up a lot of shelf space. And it is everything you need it to be. It's light enough that anybody can sit down and get it in two or three rounds and start having fun, but deep enough that the the, the hardcore gamer is going to have something to sink their teeth into and really enjoy. It is so much fun, and I have yet to put this in front of somebody that didn't genuinely enjoy it. And if I can get both of my teenagers to agree on something being fun, that in and of itself is a minor miracle, and this game did that. Well, that is The Bloody End by Pearl Games, available every, what? Is it just FLGS or is it everywhere? I don't even know. Uh, I think it's it's everywhere. I'm sure it's on Amazon. Let me go look. Well, of course it's on Amazon. That goes without saying. I'm wondering if it's like one of the things you can find at Target. I can't remember. Uh, I've never seen it at Target, but uh, you can readily find it on Amazon on several online retailers and it is $30 and under. In fact, here's a brand new copy in shrink 1999. Cool. 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 And the, uh, expansion. Oh my God. The expansion is the carnies. Oh my God. I need this in my life. 13 bucks sold. All right. Place out, Jonathan. All right, well, that brings us to the end of episode 143 of the Forgot My Dice podcast. And once again, we ask you, join us on all of our digital domains. We would love to hear from you. Which brings us, of course, Robert, to final thoughts. Do you have any? So because uh, my wife was gone all weekend, she took the day off today. So we went out and did brunch like you do. And uh, we had Mongolian barbecue. (gasps) Mm. I am Mm -hmm. jealous. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I stuffed myself silly so much so I have not had dinner and I don't plan on having dinner because I'm still pretty full <laughs> from from my brunch. It was just a pile of yakisoba and vegetables and yum. Mm, just good stuff. That was my day, man. That was my my day. I had good Mediterranean last night. I love Mediterranean. I've found a good place out here for that. The food game here is a little weak. Although that uh, Mongolian barbecue that we have, the, the the bigger one that's a little bit further away, that one's pretty sweet. Now I can't wait for you to come out for the eclipse, by the way. Mm. Now I'm genuinely excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Next year, buddy. Next year. We're going to have to take the kids out of school or something. We will see what happens. So worth it. Word. Well, I think that's it. Just Mongolian barbecue. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mongolian barbecue. It's been a minute since I had Mongolian barbecue. Now I really want it. Yeah, I feel kind of bad because, you know, my wife's Asian and it's not authentic at all. <laughs> but it's like my favorite because I, I get everything I want, which is a pile of noodles and vegetables that I like. You had me at noodles. And, and whatever meat I feel like. Sometimes it's tofu. Sometimes it's lamb. Sometimes it's beef. It's whatever's there, man. Whatever I feel like. I'm, I bought a new wok and I've been uh, cooking my homemade uh, pad thai, which... My family loves. So that's been fun. My dad got really into that when I was a teenager. They bought like a new stove that one of the burners was like a, a <gasps> stupid jet engine. 
Oh my god, I'm so jealous. I don't have that. Yeah, it was, it was wild. Sometimes it, I love my new walk, though. My new walk is great. Sometimes I turn it on just to watch it. <laughs> in Texas, sometimes you have to use your burners just to try and get a little bit of heat in the house because we don't have power. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, Robert, there's only one last thing to say, and that is to be excellent to one another. And party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifield. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 